What a week it has been. Today is a special day. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, that's either for two reasons. One, you haven't checked your email in the last 24 hours. Or you're one of those slick people who go to church and never sign a connect card or give the church your information. I encourage you to do that before you leave today so that you know where we would be next week. But uh, most of you know this is our last Sunday here worshiping at IS30. Um, and there is greater things in store. That's right, you can praise God for that. Because I 100% believe uh, that this is the hand of God. You know, I've been joking around all week, but it's true. Last, um, last week, last year for Easter, uh, for those of you that were with us at the time, uh, we had just around 400 people uh, here for Easter. We had around 70 chairs up here, some more chairs laid out in the back. Um, and after that service, I told some of the leaders, we can't have Easter here again. We need to find a space by next year. <laughs> well, apparently some people heard that in heaven, <laughs> took a note of that and said, well, if he doesn't do it, we're going to do it. <laughs> and, uh, I'm excited that this year during Easter, we'll be able to celebrate somewhere else that we'll be able to hold what God has done over the last three years of us growing as a church. I remember walking into this building the first time that I got to see the auditorium. And I took a picture uh, of the seats. You know, I stood right there, took a picture of them empty. And I said, God, what would it be like if you filled this place with people who love you, who seek after you, who want to grow in you. And not in my wildest dreams did I realize that that would happen so quickly. Uh, I thought maybe we'll be here for 10, 15 years before we grow into this place. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I pride myself in having vision for the future. And, you know, my vision couldn't contain what God had in store for us. And I'm excited. I honestly am. And I'm going to share with you that faith, excitement, vision, all these things, they don't mean that you go to bed happy every night. You know, the, the journey of faith is not an easy one, but it's a trusting one. And so before we start, can you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you for this journey. Lord, I thank you for what you want to share today. I pray that you just continue to speak. Lord, we thank you for what you've given us in this building. We thank you that you have grown a church body. 
that doesn't need a building or a place, but is a people. Lord, that you have grown a people here. And Lord, I thank you that you would just stir our faith this morning as we hear the word. Because of everything that you have in store for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I stood here about a year and a few months ago, and I read these very same verses when we started to go through the book of James. And I remember I opened up that sermon with one thing you never want to do as a friend is when someone is going through something hard in their life to be that guy or that girl that sends them this verse. <laughs> because that is a surefire way to create an enemy at that time. But yet, there I was on Monday praying, God, what are you going to do? What are you going to speak? And God was that person. <laughs> I said, remember James chapter 1, verse 2. And so I pulled up that old sermon and I read through it. Just laughed. You know those things where you either laugh or cry. Uh, and laughed through it. Thinking, God, you have been, you have been preparing You've been preparing our church. You've been preparing us. What I love about what God is doing is that he is testing our faith. You know, I think some of the natural reactions to have are to be mad at the school, be mad at the principal. Growing up in New York, I had a lot of things that I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I, for those of you that know me well, you know that I, I will click the nuclear option quickly. <laughs> um, and so I started calling lawyers. I started calling up uh, elected officials, thinking, how am I going to make it miserable for this school? If they do not let us stay here. Um, and as I was doing that and texting and calling and starting to go down that path, just said, you know what, before I get incredibly frustrated, let me go and pray. And so I went and I prayed and I just felt like God say very clearly to me, Justin, don't get mad at them. Because this is something I am doing. And so, you know, the people that I had called and the, the lawyers that I had texted, you know, started following up. You know, what do you want me to do? When do you want to talk? Some of the people that, uh, you know, the, the, the Italian blood and the Puerto Rican blood are very, those are not blood lines that you want to mix when it comes down to a fight. 
And so when I started telling some of my family, it's just like they're texting me, all right, what are we going to do? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I just said, you know, it's, it's, I believe this is God. We're not going to do anything. Um, I'll do my due diligence, but I'll leave it in God's hands. And, uh, and I felt God clearly say that this is him doing it. And what a, a, a sermon to preach last week, <laughs> if you were here for it, preaching on the trustworthiness of God's word and his faithfulness to his promises. The week before that, preaching on how to stay firm and hold fast to our confession of faith in the midst of persecution. And, and looking at all that we have talked through in this series that Jesus is greater because as we've heard week after week after week, the, the preacher in the book of Hebrews is preaching this to the church saying, you are about to go through a hard time. You've been through some stuff in the past, but it's about to get a lot harder. And so I am preaching this message to you so that you do not walk away from the faith, the confession of faith that you have. Right? And, and he shares such amazing things to us that God is, is speaking through his word today that he is our faithful champion that fights our battles, that he is good for his word, that when he says something, he is not a man that he should lie, but he does it. I just was laughing, contemplating around all the things that we have been going through as a church, thinking, God, you set us up. You set us up. Um, and, you know, and I, I went to meet with the principal of the school this Thursday uh, before just to see if there was anything that we can do, do to have a little while longer. For those of you that don't know, I don't know if I've clearly said yes, but this is our last week here uh, in this school. Um, and I went into that meeting, and I told Heather before I went into that meeting, I said, she's going to say no. Um, and I, I went in thinking that she would be antagonistic towards us. Um, and as I went into that meeting, you know, it was all we could do, both of us, to not cry while we were meeting. Because it was clear that her hands were tied uh, for making the decision that she did. And it was clear the effect that it was going to have on us. Um, and, you know, just glossy-eyed, she said, Justin, I don't want to throw out a church. And the, the, she had a lot of external pressures. If you're wondering, a relationship with a school is hard. Right? We have a lot of people that come every week. There's no way that we know what everybody is doing, what every visitor does every single week. And so there are things that have happened. Over the, last three, over the last three years, there have been a lot of things that have happened, that have been mistakes that we've said, okay, we're going to work on fixing that. One of the mistakes that was kind of, as they say, the straw that broke the camel's back uh, was we, for our Thanksgiving potluck, we had a permit for the cafeteria, um, and we used all of the downstairs thinking that, okay, our permit covered all this, and it didn't. And so there, were, there was a lot of blowback for the places that we used that we weren't supposed to use. That was, again, the straw that broke the camel's back in the sense of 
Some of the staff just said we've had enough and went above the principal's head and complained. And so the principal's hands were tied. She had to make the decision that she made. Um, and again, I don't share this be- to, for us to be mad at anybody because I don't, I don't think we should be. Uh, I, I honestly, purely believe that God's hand is on this and that God is doing this. Uh, and we gathered together as uh, a church to pray on Friday night at Blend. And it was a, a beautiful moment. Um, and I know many of you that couldn't make it prayed, whether it was at your Bible study in Queens Crew, thank you for that. Or many people just emailed me and said, as a family, you've gotten together and you've prayed. Uh, and it was clear that the word of God was that God is, is pruning us, is pressing us, is refining us for the next stage of what he wants to do with us as a church. And let me tell you, I have literally, absolutely no clue what that is. Just as I stood here a little over three years ago, thinking I knew what it would be like to start a church, and I had literally no clue what to expect. I have literally no clue what to expect. But what was exciting about three and a half years ago was it was me sitting around a room with just a few people saying, we don't know what's going to happen. But now we can sit around in a room with a few hundred people and say, we don't know what's going to happen, but we believe and we trust God that you are going to do something. See, what happens is God in Scripture continually puts his people through tests and trials because he produces something in them. And here in James chapter 1, we see that the testing of our faith produces endurance or steadfastness. And what that steadfastness, what that endurance does is it completes us. There is a maturing that is going to happen in our church that is happening right now as we speak, as we are bent and shaped and formed by God. You know, the... the, writer of Hebrews uses the illustration constantly of Israel going into the promised land. But he uses them as an illustration as people who failed the test of faith. That when they first saw the promised land and they didn't go into it and they said the giants are too big, God, he's not going to be with us. We're seeing this with our physical eyes and this is not going to happen. And they share the report and what do the people do? We've We've heard this, they turn around, but then the next generation comes up and they they believe God at his word. And one of the things that stuck out the most from our series in Proverbs was the difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. And how godly wisdom will look at a situation and say, this is how you go about this situation. And it makes absolutely no sense. It defies the laws of the earth. But worldly wisdom looks at a situation like Israel looked at the situation. They said, those people are eight feet tall. The average height of an Israelite at that time was around five feet. You know, I don't know if anybody has ever been in a, in a fight or prospect of a flight with someone three feet bigger than you. That's a big difference. Usually that's about a 100 and 150 pound difference as well. 
And so they looked at these people and they said, there are giants in the land. Worldly wisdom and conventional wisdom say, we are not going to get this. But the next generation that believed in God, the first city that they came across, and I shared this on Friday night at our prayer meeting, was they came across the city of Jericho. What does conventional wisdom tells you when you come across a city with high walls? You know, build the siege engines. You ever see Lord of the Rings, the two towers? What do you do? You come ready. You get your high ladders. You get the big siege engines. You get the catapults. You get ready to tear down the walls. Scale the walls. Do everything that you can. See, what God gave the Israelites, it wasn't a plan for a great siege engine. What did he tell them? He said, walk around the walls once every day. And on the seventh day, walk around it seven times and then scream at the top of your lungs. I'm telling you, if God told me to do that today. Do you want me to just look like an idiot, God? <laughs> like, are you just trying to humiliate me? Imagine the people of Jericho looking down at these ridiculous Israelites marching around their walls. It was just as dumb of an idea back then as it would be today. But godly wisdom was this. Have faith in God, and you will see that he will always come through to his word faith in God and you will always see that he will come through to his word because when we have faith through trial and situation and test God does something in us that propels us to what he wants to do through us God is working something out in us and my posture has been God thank you Thank you because that the fact that you think that we are mature enough to go through something like this, I have no clue what you are bringing us to. Because statistically, conventionally, this should be the thing that kills our church. This should be the thing that what we have worked hard for, what really the Spirit has done, but I'm talking in worldly wisdom and terms, that it will all go down to nothing. But... Having faith in God, knowing, man, God, what do you have in store? Now, I want to share about what that means. Because a lot of times when we have this picture of faith and, and of, of being faithful to God, we have this understanding of, there's no hardship in that. Man, let me tell you. I'm, you know, I, I love to be transparent. I love to be honest with you. And I'm just going to be very honest with everybody. It has been a hard week. It has been a hard week. Yes, I have this word from God. Yes, God has confirmed it. Yes, I know God will do something. But you know what? I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. And nobody in this room is. And as as much as in my spirit I know and I have peace in the situation, I'm left with the daily understanding that we do not have a place to meet. We don't have a home to meet next week. And what that has meant is that the temptation towards doubt, the temptation of the enemy, because believe you me, the enemy will try to use this 
to do what he wants to do to try to get across what he wants to get across. Of sadness, of depression, all of these temptations have come in. And the, the thing that has been beautiful, though, is that God, man, yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing these temptations. And we are going to experience these temptations, maybe over this situation, maybe over other situations in our church. This is, this is a real-life example that we're going through right now that we haven't yet gotten the answer to. And as a church, we're going to celebrate in faith when the answer comes. Because as I said last week, hope is not some psychological thing to psych ourselves up for. Hope is an assurance of things that are to come. We are sure that Jesus will come through it as where we are assured knowing that whatever happens that he does not abandon his bride. We are sure that whatever happens, God knows what's best and he will work all things for the good of those who obey him. We are assured of these things. Our hope is on a solid foundation. But temptation comes and it will come. And it will work its way in every place that is possible to come. Maybe one day it will be doubt. Maybe one day it will be isolation. Another day it will be depression. Another day, whatever it will be, it will be, it will come in waves. It will be rejection another day. It will come and it will come and it will come. But the staying steadfast through the trial in faith is not not having and experiencing temptation is not realizing that I'm a fleshly person and that these things are going to come and that I have human emotions and there will be sadness. There will be times of, God, what are you doing? Help me. What it is, is it's going through this and not going towards sin. See, breaking... And failing the trial, as Israel did, is saying, no, God, you're not going to get me through this. And then allowing that temptation to come in and saying, listen, you need to do this on your own. You need to fix this now. You need to work this through. How do we cope? We cope by allowing that, those depressing thoughts to come in and saying, you know what? All is lost. Forget it. I, I give up. I'm going to throw in the towel. It was a good run for the last three years. This, this is too stressful. This is too hard. I'm tired. Goodbye. It is being angry and saying, God, what is your problem? Of, of cursing God, of saying, you know what? I'm, I don't want to go through this. How could you do this? How could you say that? As we used the example last week, when Abraham... When God told Abraham, sacrifice Isaac, God, Abraham could have said, you know what, forget you, God. How many years did I have to wait for this son, and now you want me to sacrifice him? Are you playing with my feelings? You said I was going to be the father of many nations, and you've only given me one son in my old age, and now you are telling me to sacrifice him, forget you, and forget this. That is not standing the test. Not standing the test is not experiencing the whole range of human emotions. Jesus wept, he cried, he sweat blood and tears in the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked God, can you take this from me? And when God didn't, he still, it says he obeyed to death on the cross. 
He was obedient. Faithfulness is, God, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling, what I'm going through, what the enemy is telling me, what my friends are telling me like they did to Job where they said, abandon this God, you, you, are, you should be through it and curse him. It doesn't matter. Faithfulness is saying, God, I trust you. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. I wanted to read this because it really talks to the situation of the church that the writer is preaching to. It says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Church, we cannot throw away our confidence. What we need is endurance, that we will continue to do what God has called us to do, and we will receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And then the preacher, after quoting that scripture, says in verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Church, we will not be ones who shrink back and are destroyed. No matter what situation comes our way, no matter what the enemy will try to bring us, no matter what test or trial, we will not shrink back and be destroyed. But we will continue to do the will of God and receive what is promised. We will continue to have faith. Continue to support each other as a community. We will continue to go through this, and we will not shrink back as a church. See, the temptation that the church was having was, man, we're going through hardship. Let's throw in the towel. And the preacher is encouraging them, is that the stuff that you are made of? Are you the kind of people that shrink back when the hardship comes? You have had your property taken. You have lost your possessions. You have, you have seen your friends imprisoned and you have prayed with them and supported them. Is that what you are made of? Are you the kind of people that shrinks back? You know what happens to those people. But no, we are not made of that type of stuff. We are the kind of people who do not shrink back and are not destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Trials are not easy. That is why they are trials. Let me tell you, it has not been an easy week, not just because of the news of the church, but there have been so many personal things that are come up in between all of this. 
And I'm going to allow you into my life because I believe that God wants to continue to have a testimony through this. You know, the outside of, you've, you've all heard me last year talk about a difficult time that I had around last year in December. Um, and the reason why it was difficult is because there were a lot of different things at play that were going on uh, in my life at the time, mainly around some difficult financial de- decisions that I had to make. You all know about some of those financial decisions. One of them was the coffee shop. Um, you know, Heather and I felt like God wanted us to buy a property, um, and so we bought an investment property in New Jersey. Uh, Heather and I felt that God was calling us to have more kids, and, uh, well, another kid, I should say, we were feeling. Um, And so we started trying to have more kids in, I don't know, maybe the summer, late summer uh, of last year. Um, And God was speaking all these different things to us, and I still remember the week in December Uh, It was the week was unother like a week I've had in my life. Um, It was I I closed on our property in New Jersey. Um, I signed the lease for the storefront for the coffee shop. And Heather came back with some amazing news from the doctor. (laughs) All in seven days. Uh, And during that time, I was actually working on transitioning my business, of selling my business. And uh, what we were hoping was that the sale of my business would finance a lot of the coffee shop and uh, this home. And after all of that news came in, I was supposed to hear about the business sale the week prior, but it was delayed. So I continued, I signed the lease, I signed the home. We found out about the twins And two days after that, I got the email that the sale was not going to go through. And let me tell you, that was one of the hardest weeks of my life. It was it was really rough Um, because we were locked into all these different things. And I remember telling Heather a few weeks ago, I told her, I'm excited. I'm taking off for Christmas for two weeks this year. December was really rough last year. This year it's going to be a lot better. (laughs) Um, And and what has been hard was the reality that the house that we bought has not, has just been a headache, you know, since day one. Um, Just to be honest, the coffee shop still hasn't broken even. It's still taken money. And so my business savings essentially went towards that. Um, And then we found out about this. So we were making all these decisions and we found out about this. And and then we've had five weeks of nonstop sickness in the house. Uh, And yesterday I'm just thinking, all right, you know, we we were going to go out with some friends. We had a babysitter. It was a long week. uh, And Heather wakes up with a fever. I thank God. You know, and so we had to cancel our plans. Her fever gets worse. Um, the just trying to navigate, 
life at this point. You know, and at night, we, you know, thankfully, Heather's mother was able to come over and help us. My mom came over at night, was able to help me a little bit. Uh, and so I'm finally getting everybody in bed, thinking I'm going to sit down. It's like 8 o'clock. I'll think about and pray about tomorrow. Um, and then Judah calls me into the room. He says, Daddy, my stomach's hurting. I said, uh-oh. So I went and I get a bucket. And when I get back, I put the bucket next to him. And then he just vomits all over me, all over his bed. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right. So I, I, I turn on the light and I put it under his face. And he gets the rest of it in the bucket. Um, and I... Clean, you know, I put him on the floor. He falls asleep on the floor. I clean up his bed, wash everything up, change his seats, put him back in his bed, and I sit down in front of my computer, and I just begin to cry, thinking, God, what is going on? And the verse that God reminded me of, and I'm so thankful for it, is Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Church, I've talked about it a million times. It's not about our external circumstances. It is not about the things that happen around us. That even as Job said, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Because the truth of the matter is, is everything can be taken away from us in this life. But the writer of Hebrews, what he's constantly trying to get across, what Jesus is always talking about, is the reward in heaven is worth any price that we have to pay here on earth. The reward in heaven that we are given to live in eternity with Jesus is worth whatever we have to pay here on earth. Whatever trial, whatever fire, whatever we have to give up. And the apostles knew to their own body they gave themselves up for this because all of it is worth it. The truth of that is even though I may die, though he slay me, I will hope in him. The rock of Christianity is not feeling good. The rock of Christianity is a faith everlasting in Jesus Christ that can never be stripped by any situation, by no amount of finances, by no amount of affliction, by no amount of test or trial. The rock of Christianity is that no one can rob me of Jesus. In church, we are made up of bigger stuff than this. That we are not the type of people to shrink back and be destroyed. That we can sit down in the midst of a mess of our life may look like it's crumbling around us. But we have a word from the Lord that I will see you through this. That your faith is being perfected. That we can look at God like Job did who lost everything and say, though you slay me. Still, I will hope in you. Let the story of our church be that we are not a church who has put our hope in our money, has put our hope in our health, 
has put our hope in our friendships, has put our hope in any worldly possession. Because if all those things were stripped away, if all of those things were taken from us, and our hope was lost, then we would find that we have put our hope in something other than Jesus. But that we can be people who look at everything and say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I honestly don't. But I know you're working. I know that you're in control. And if my life, if my health, if my finances, if they get put on the altar of sacrifice so that you may be glorified, then let it be so. Will we be a church that says, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you ask, we're willing, we will obey. It may be hard, there may be tears that are involved. We may question like Job did, we may ask like Jesus did, take this from me. But ultimately, we will say as Jesus said, your will be done, not mine. Not my will, God, but yours. Not our will, God, but yours. I would have been comfortable in this place for 30 years. We were excited as a staff of all the ways we were planning 2020 around this place. But now I'm excited about what God has in store for us next. Because let me tell you, what we have now has not been worked out by our hands. Situation after situation, God said, I'm taking you from here to there. I'm doing this among you. You didn't plan for this, but guess what? I'm doing that. And he's doing it again. He, I have said over and over again to everyone who will listen, we will look back at the history of our church and say that was not built with human hands, but was built by only the goodness of God. And when we look back on this moment, we will say we would have stood there for decades to come, but only if for God brought us to the next place that we were supposed to go. We would have never come to the place that we are now, but God is at work. He is mighty, and he is doing something among us that in the future from now, we will look back and say, look at what God has done. Look at what God did. Because it is not something any of us would have come together with a great strategy in a, in a staff meeting or in a leadership meeting or something that we could have said we thought of or patted ourselves on the back of for. We will just say, look at what you have done, God. Thank you that this is your church. You are building your church. It is your church from beginning to end. And we stand on your promise and your promise alone. That the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Can you stand with me?